Amen, it's great to see you all here today. We're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be looking at Luke 24, that's our theme scripture today. Um, but there, we're going to be jumping around a little bit in between that. So you might want to write a couple of things down, we'll see how far we get. Um, and the title of today's message is On the Road. Uh, the name of a very famous book from the 60s by a guy called Jack Kerouac. Well, anyone's read that? A very interesting book. Um, but amen. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about a different kind of a road. So next slide, please. So <clears throat> I, I kind of wrote the message, and then we're having our quiet time on, on um, Saturday together. Friday, Marianne and I. And um, this scripture came out. So I just want to just, just start with this, and then we'll get into the message. Because this is a scripture that we all kind of know. In John 12, it says, Jesus replied, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And uh, this kind of resonated for me as a real starting point to, to remember. Because, um, you know, as a kid, I love Christmas, right? Easter was okay, but Christmas was the big one, right? Because you know why. Because Christmas is going to be the time when there's like a feast, there's going to be food, family, and there's going to be um, presents. Okay? There was, that's the main thing, right? Is the, is the presents. There's that excitement on Christmas morning. You're going to get gifts and everything. So Easter was always a bit of a kind of, for me, when I was growing up, it was great. It was a holiday, but you never quite know what the weather's going to do. I remember Easter's when the snow was that deep. Um, in England, not anymore, but when it was up to here. And, um, and flip side, right, look at this, today. I mean, you, so you never quite know what you're going to get at Easter. Um, and I was always jealous, because I had two brothers who were good friends of mine that lived close to me. And uh, whenever I went over their house, they would always have, in the build-up to Easter, this line of Easter eggs lining up on the top of their cupboard. And it was always, like, gazillions of Easter eggs. Um, and, and I never got gazillions of Easter eggs. Amen. Um, probably a good thing I never got, because I probably, yeah, anyway, let's not go there. But, um, but they got loads of Easter eggs, and then it, it kind of morphed from Easter eggs into money, and they used to get gifts and all these things at Easter. And I was so jealous of them for Easter, because that wasn't what, wasn't what we got at Easter. But, you know, the message of Easter is, the, is really the Christian message, right? It's the classic death and rebirth message that runs through the Christian faith. This is the message of Easter. As one poet put it, the seeds of love must eternally be re-sown. And that really resonated with me when I thought about this scripture. You know, Jesus, when he openly started on his journey to the cross, he set in motion like an unstoppable series of events. It was kind of, he went past that event horizon, which we'll come to in a minute. And, and it was unstoppable. He knew that once he began openly saying what he was going to say, he knew exactly where that road was going to lead. And he set out on that journey. And this was his message to his followers. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. And at different times in my life, that's meant different things to me. Um, you know, faith is a journey along a road. And the road's going to be marked out with suffering, with failure. <clears throat> but, but that's the same for everybody, right? But despite, you know, um, what you be- despite all that, if you don't have a faith, that road eventually is going to lead to death. And the big difference with that with the Christian road is that it's the road through suffering and the same things, but it leads to life. It leads to glory. And as we walk along life's road, we experience a lot of things, but our temptation is to hide away um, are the seeds, the seeds of uh, the, the pain, the suffering, the failure, the things that we experience as we go through life, the shame, that's kind of what the world does to us, right? But as long as our pain and wisdom and our lessons are locked up in our hearts or hoarded in our high barns, they remain sterile and unfertile. The thing about seeds, they've got to be planted. You know, to grow in the midst of difficulties, we've got to rip open those bags of grain and pour out our seed wherever we see fertile ground. Now in Luke 24, we find two disciples, or two followers of Jesus, and they're on the way, away from Jerusalem. They've hit the road. Jesus has been dead for three days, and for them, kind of everything died with them. So let's have a look in the scriptures. We're going to have a look in Luke 24. We've got the next slide. Brilliant. We're going to read. So you have to click along as we go. Luke 24, verse 13. It says, now the same day, that same day, and this was like the Lord's Day, Easter Sunday, right? That's the day they're talking about. That same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognising him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what's more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. But then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it, just as the women had said, but they didn't see Jesus. Amen. Next slide, please. You know, everyone at some point in their life is searching for meaning, right? We all, at some point in our life, are going to search for meaning. What does it all mean? And people find meaning in all different kinds of things, right? We find meaning in all different kinds of things. Right now, A-level, uh, Raph is finding meaning in his A-level textbooks as he sweats out in his bedroom, uh, revising for his A-levels, trying to find meaning. Anyway, we hope he finds, dear God, help him to find meaning. <laughs> you know? But we find meaning in causes, in, in political movements, in science, in love. Um, in marriage, some people in singlehood, in, in childbirth. You know, there's a programme on, on last night of flicking through the channels, the, the woman's biggest, uh, Britain's biggest family, and some woman who's sort of had 25 children or something amazing. You just think, gosh, <laughs> amazing. We can find our meaning in creativity, or career, or in friendship, or in serving. And for a time, it's possible to believe you've found it, you've found the meaning. But nearly always, that meaning is never to be lost. You know, we can feel let down, you know, it might be irreconcilable differences, uh, it might be accidents, or just change, right? Or just even old age, just growing older. You know, science is an interesting one. Do you know what this slide, and you must know what this is a picture of, right? Yeah. 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 What's... Pardon? It's fake, it only came out last week. When I saw it, I was like, wow, I hope this is not hell. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is a real photograph of a black hole. And to get this picture, they had to, it's so far away, I mean, it's just so far away, billions and billions of miles away. And um, to take this picture, they had to make a telescope um, using, using telescope dishes in UK, in America, all over the Earth, all on one hemisphere, all pointing that way to get this picture. And it's still a bit blurry, right? That's some good picture. It looks a bit like a donut. And this is actually what they kind of thought a black hole would look like. Um, you know, and the, the thing about a black hole is, um, is that this is, this is like the... They think this is a gas cloud of suns being pulled in and kind of mashed up in this, in this, um, in this black hole. And the thing they understand some things about a black hole, right? They have um, it has what's called an event horizon. You've heard that word before, and that's the point at which um, you're being sucked into a black hole faster than the speed of light. So once you go past the event horizon, you can't escape the pull of a black hole. You're going in, as it were. And um, there's also a thing called a singularity, and that's the point at the centre of a black hole where gravity is the most intense. And it's an infinitesimally small speck at the centre of a black hole where everything goes to, right? But the problem is, is that we have uh, in this universe the laws of gravity, which is one of the main fundamental building blocks of science that we know, right? But we also have the laws of quantum mechanics, um, how wave particle movement, all that kind of stuff, uh, that teaches us about what's happening inside molecules. But in a singularity, it all falls to bits. All scientific knowledge falls to bits, and we don't understand what goes on inside a black hole. So all our laws, everything we know about science, falls to bits when we come to black holes, because we don't understand. Maybe we will, maybe we won't, but at the moment, there's this irreconcilable difference scientifically. You know, there was a time when ideas could be silenced because they were contrary to religion. 
right? So that was the foundation of science when you had like Galileo and uh, Copernicus and the guys with the first telescopes and they were the ones who said, oh, the world's actually not flat, it's round. And science didn't agree with that, so they were silenced. Some of them were killed, some of them burned at stakes, but they were silenced. And at one time, religion could be accused of being shutting down ideas of control. But it's funny how that's flipped, right? Because now ideas that are contrary to science, um, science has become the one that shuts them down. Because if it's not a fact, it can't be true, right? If it's not a fact, it doesn't exist, it's not real. And that's what some people do with their faith. Um, a guy called Pollyani, uh, Pollyani said that science has become the greatest single source of error. And it's frightening when you think about where the planet's going. You know, these guys have found meaning in following Jesus, these two guys. And they, it says they had hoped that he would redeem Israel, whatever that meant. You know, Jesus had died on the cross, and with him their hope died, in verse 21. Um, it, it makes a point of talking about the three days. And, and what's more, it's been three days. You know, the Jews believed that, um, that the spirit or the soul dwelled around for like three days, and then after that it, it went away. And so that was like, that's it, you know, it's definitely, definitely over, it's dead, it's gone. And how do you think this affected their faith? Well, we see, you know, they, they, they left. They were with the disciples because they'd been there that morning when the sisters came back from the, from the tomb, but they decided to go, leave. We're going we're gonna to walk away from Jerusalem and we're going to go back home, you know. We're going to go back to what we know, to the security of what we know. It's all over, you know. What's the point? What's the point of staying here? They gave up on hope. And, you know, maybe they thought, well, if we stick around, we're going to be the next ones, right? We're going to be the next ones to be crucified, so let's just let's get out of here before it gets dangerous, or whatever, fear. And then there's this little weird, um, actually, yeah, go on, next slide. I don't know whether you know much about the climate change uh, yeah. things this week that have been going on. It was really interesting that um, there have been more at 750 arrests or something like that. It's a peaceful protest, it's super well organised. Next slide. And I saw on Facebook... Um, this old guy had been arrested for the first time in his life and he was t taking photos of the prison cell and he was super nice, apologising to the police. I'm really sorry that I've been arrested. I know I'm wasting your time and, and blah, blah, blah. Um, but he said, but I, you know, uh, I had to do it because if I don't, we're all going to be extinct. You know, and that was his reasoning, you know. And it was quite funny how he kept apologising to the police. He was super nice and they let him go in the end and blah, 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 blah. But uh, he took this picture of the cell and he was talking about his journey on Facebook. But, you know, it takes a lot of conviction to stick around when the going gets tough, right? Probably on his criminal record now that he's spent a night in a prison cell. Um, but the funny thing is, in verse 22 to 24, then they talk about this mystery. They say, and what's more, the, the ladies came back and they, they, they went to the thing. They said the body was gone and we, they saw some angels. And then the other guys went to check and they, it, was, was, it was like they said, you know, from the other Gospels, the... the the, the, the blankets were folded up and it was all tidy and clean. The, the stone was rolled back from the tomb. All that kind of stuff. Um, did they believe him? I'm not so sure um, uh, what they really believed. But there was this mystery. It was all getting a bit weird. So they didn't really get it. Angels, really? What's going on? And they left. And they shut the door on that, possibly, on that possibility of being true. Next slide. Oh. Amen. Um, he said, the knowledge of the, the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that through seeing they may not see, and through hearing they may not understand. Next slide. Just talking about like, that ability to understand and face things that we can't understand. I love this quote um, from Edmund Burke, nicked by John F. Kennedy. It says, the, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I don't doubt these weren't good men, but they decided to walk away, whatever that reason was. Next slide, please. Amen. We'll come back, actually. So, these guys had walked away. What happened to their hope? What happened to changing the world? You know, What happened to truth? What happened to the mission? The search for meaning is a risky business. You know, It's a road marked with suffering. But if we, if we only ever embrace what we know, we're never going to grow to find out what real meaning is. In fact, one philosopher said, today, meaning can only be found, if at all, through the attitude of the man who's willing to live with the absurd, to remain open to the mystery which he can never hope to pin down. And if we try to understand the universe and our place in it, 
Our brains are going to be fried, right? I mean, this is the only bit of order there is in the universe. It seems that the rest is, is chaotic or beyond our understanding. You know, faith is a choice. Faith is a choice we make. I remember when I studied the Bible and looked at the scriptures and had a lot of questions about what, uh, what about these types of things, about science. And I faced a lot of them. I, went, I got to a point where um, I had to make a decision. Um, there was enough evidence around for me to go one way or the other, to believe one thing or the other. But a lot of the arguments I'd had for the non-existence of God or the non-reality that these events happened were, were got rid of. Um, and I'd worked through them, you know, the empty tomb, the guards, all these things. I'd studied out the scriptures and worked through it. And it came to a point where I had to make a choice whether I was really going to believe, in a sense, the unbelievable. You know, and unless we're prepared to confront our doubts on the road to meaning, we're never going to get past the first step. Amen? Next slide. Second point is on the road, you might find a freedom worth choosing. Go back one. A freedom worth choosing. So let's read on. So Jesus is with them and he says to them, how foolish you are and slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things, then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day's almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened and they recognised him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked to us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem and there they found the eleven. And those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. Amen. Now it's interesting, in a sense, they meet this guy on the road. They don't know it's Jesus. And they meet this guy and they're sort of telling him what's going on and what's happened. And he, and he says to them, you know, how foolish and slow of heart you are. You know, how would you respond to that? You know, a complete stranger coming up and laying it out, right? You're foolish and your heart is slow. Like, oh, ouch. You know, what, what would have happened that, at that moment if their pride had taken over? Yeah, whatever. Who are you, you know? Whatever. And just walked off and left. And they could have done. You know, the danger of pride. Sometimes we need to be challenged, right? Sometimes we need our heart to be challenged. We have a choice to listen to what people are saying or a choice to walk away. You know, verse 26, he says, Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And in a sense, that's the Easter message right there in that verse. You know, the journey to glory is a road through suffering, but it doesn't end there. You know, some of us don't want suffering. We live in a world which tries to eradicate suffering, right? We're going to eradicate disease. We're going to insure ourselves up to the eyeballs so that whatever happens... We'll have money, we'll be fine, our lives are going to be fine. In fact, we're going to be safe from, we're going to, medical cabinets are going to be full, our cupboards are going to be full. You know, it's like Brexit, people stocking up on their cupboards, right, trying to insulate themselves from the, from the threat. But that's the way life is today. You think that you can protect yourself from every single thing that's going on around us. And we don't want suffering, we want a comfortable life. But the truth is that it's through suffering that we find our truth. And with that, our freedom. You know, we need to remember that Jesus chose the cross. You know, it's interesting in verse 28, um, that Jesus was going to carry on, right? He could have walked off. They could have stood there and let him go at that point. Bye. And that would have been it. And you think when you've got an opportunity to hear someone speak the truth to you, and you can let them go, you make a choice. Oh, that's great. My heart was burning inside me, but I need to get back on with my life, you know? And they could have just let that happen, but they didn't. You know, they called him back and they had that heart to really want to engage with, with Jesus. Well, they, with, they didn't know it was Jesus at this point. In verse 31, amazingly, it says their eyes were opened by the breaking of bread and thanksgiving. That amazed me as well when you pick that out. And you think, like for some of us who've been Christians for a while, it's easy sometimes to feel stuck, right, in a Christian walk. 
But it's amazing that their eyes were opened through, through Jesus, thanksgiving and breaking bread. So sharing and thanksgiving. That's amazing, right? I think gratitude quite often is a key that really can unlock our hearts. To meditate um, on what we're grateful for, the things that we have. We have so much, so much to be grateful for. In verse 32, it says, the hearts burned within them. But they didn't listen to their hearts at this point. They weren't ready to listen. Um, you know, you can question, um, you can question the truth sometimes and you can like get to that point intellectually where you understand what's going on but you don't listen to our hearts you know oh so it's nice spending time at church right people are kind to us it's nice being here people take an interest in us and it feels right but you know for some reason we don't click we don't let our hearts and our heads work together and make the decision there's more to this there's something more to this these people aren't just being nice to me because i'm so great You know, there's more to it than that. Something really clicked with these guys, and the penny dropped. Next slide, please. Hopefully it's the right one. Amen. They had a light bulb moment. Have you ever had one of those light bulb moments, um, you know, when something just really clicks into place? You know, when I was studying the Bible, I really, you know, I, I remember I had a lot of questions about science and about creation and all these different things. But I just decided, let me just focus on did Jesus really die on the cross and was he really raised again? We're just really looking at the evidence about that. And when you really dig into just that thing alone, you know, the evidence around that is irrefutable. You know, and for me, a penny dropped at that point. If that could have happened, that everything else could be true. Just because I don't understand it, it could be true. You know, why didn't they listen to their hearts? You know, that feeling um, after the event when you go, oh, I knew I should have done that. I knew I should have done that. We're having our windows changed at home last week, so it was a bit chaotic. And uh, I was taking Raph to an interview, and I got up at five o'clock in the morning to get ready to take him to an interview, but I knew that I needed to clear the lounge out for these guys to get to the window, and I had to take down these blinds. And in the dark recesses of my mind, I kind of remembered that you needed to turn something to slot the blind out. But because I'd done another blind that week where you just pulled it, I said, I'm just going to pull it. And I went, snap, broke one blind, snap, broke two blinds. And I thought, okay, I'm not doing something right here. And eventually figured it out. So amen. I spent a few hours on eBay looking for the spare parts to fix the blinds that I broke because I wasn't listening to myself. (laughs) You know, these guys had retreated. You know, the interesting thing is they'd chosen, these two guys had chosen to leave all the disciples in Jerusalem, because the rest of them were all together, right? And they'd gone off on their own, um, back to their home, back to whatever they they could understand. They were going to hide away, you know. And sometimes when we face challenges, it's really easy for us to withdraw, you know, to go away. When we're hurting, to cut ourselves off when our hopes are dashed, you know, to like wounded. I remember when... You know, where the cat gets wounded, it sort of goes and hides to die you know, alone. And I remember a few times with cats that have been hurt on roads, I've been looking for them and digging them out from under sheds to take them to the vets and things. But sometimes we can be a bit like that when we're hurt and when we're wounded. We can isolate ourselves. But it's said that, you know, our openness is our great, greatest resource. Our greatest resource. If we're not open... Then we stop making sense to the people around us. And that's when we damage ourselves and the people around us. Even being open is painful. Let's not hide away, but live our lives out in the open. You know, I was reading this morning in my quiet time, Ezekiel 24. And that's where um, he gets, God tells him to go and preach to the Israelites in the diaspora. And then his wife dies. And it's just literally one verse. He get up that morning and did what God said him to, and then his wife died. And then the next morning he had to get up and not mourn and just speak to the people. And I just thought, you know, are we prepared to let God use our lives, whatever that means, to bring people to him? You know, even our pain, even our sorrow, even the disasters that happen, if we're prepared to say, God, use me. And God will use every part of our life to draw people to him. You know... When these two guys get it, they're instantly set free from their doubt. And they're like straight back to Jerusalem, right? Hope is restored and they, they, they leg it back to Jerusalem. Fastest seven mile sprint ever, you know? And they're set free. And I was thinking, Raph, next time, I was thinking about how the world sees freedom. What the world sees freedom as. 
You know, we live in the UK. We're here in the UK, and it prides itself on being a free country. Mm. Absolutely prides. We can say what we like, pretty much, I think. Um, we can say what we want to say. And yet, um, so many people in this country feel trapped and angry or broken by the circumstances that they find themselves in, in their lives. Next slide, please. And the next one. Um, I got this from, uh, has anyone seen The Shawshank Redemption? If you haven't seen it, you have to watch that film. Great film. But in it, there's a guy who's been in prison all his life, and, they, and he gets free. He finishes, and he was the librarian in the prison, and he goes off, and he goes into this town, to this hotel, and he's in the hotel, he's just standing there, and he's free, but he's not free. And he ends up scratching his name into a beam and hanging himself in this room. It's just such a sad scene, you know, when you see that this guy's... But, you know, you just think that so many people um, are not free on the inside. You know, recently we had a friend come over to our house um, who we haven't seen for a while. And uh, he was on a kind of a mission. And we were part of his mission to come and see us. But the other part of his mission was to go and visit some friends in Devon. And he hadn't seen this lady for 10 years. But what had happened was that the, there's a, a family, a man, a woman and a daughter. And the, the man was adopted and he'd never known his birth mother. And he'd gone and um, found where she was and went to her. But when he went to her, she didn't want to have anything to do with him. She just rejected him. No, I want to have anything to do with you. To me, you don't even exist. And she said to him something, and he said to her something along the lines of, well, I might as well go and kill myself then. And she just ignored it. Two weeks later, he killed him, committed suicide. So it was a tragedy, a tragedy. And then, um, so he's left the wife and the daughter. Then a few years later, the daughter was on a trip, a school trip. And uh, it was one of those flash floods. And she was swept away and drowned. And just think, unbelievable. So he was going to go to the... They're both buried in the same grave in North Devon. And he was going to go to the town to visit the, the wife. Because he hadn't been there for years. He felt bad. And he went down there. And he found out that two weeks earlier than that, that the wife had died. And you just think, unbelievable, you know, the pain that's in some people's lives, what people go to. We're going to give out communion now, because we're going to do communion in a second. Um, you know, there's a, a concentration camp survivor, a guy called Victor um, Fankel. And he said that when everything is taken away from you, your possessions, your status, even your identity, it shows only one thing. That everything can be taken away from a man, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, the freedom to choose one's own attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. You know, when we see ourselves as a, as a product of our environment, uh, whether that be our parents growing up or our background or the, the, the social scene that we're in or a victim uh, of circumstances, we're not free. You know, we can't change. But true freedom comes from within. You know, freedom often comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. Freedom's of the burden of being responsible for the self one chooses to be. You know, when I chose to become a Christian, um, prior to that, I had a big group of friends. I was a musician in London. I was in bands, had a record deal, signed to record labels, you know, Big set, of fam- big set of friends, big set of uh, circumstances. I, I had a girlfriend, all those things. But when I became a Christian, I, I knew that I had to be different. And so I stopped drinking, stopped taking any drugs, any of those things which my friends did all the time, you know, socially and together. Um, I started going to church at six o'clock in the morning. I'd get up sometimes to go to the north back in the old days, and they'd all be sat on the sofa. You know, just got back from a club looking very worse for wear. And they'd look, where are you going? I'd be, oh, I'm off to church. And in the end, you know, they rejected me because of that. And I lost all my friendships. I broke up a relationship. It was a huge cost. But that, I had the choice. And I chose in my life that I was going to be a Christian. And that, that, that cost, and amen. God's amen. blessed that choice um, since then. But it comes with a cost. You know, in John 8, 31, 32, it says, If you hold to my teaching, next slide. If you hold to my teaching, then you are my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, if you want to know the truth about Christianity, you have to hold to Jesus' teachings. You've got to live out the scriptures. Then, the promise is, you will know the truth if you live out the scriptures. 
You know, unless we're prepared to walk the road that leads to truth and face the consequences that come with it, you, me, we will never know true freedom. You know, in Luke 9.23, I don't know if it's there, next one, Raph. Oh, we'll take communion together. Luke 9.23, it says, Then he said to them all, Jesus said, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow me. As we take communion together now, let's remember that Jesus chose the cross and that he died so that we could be free. And let's pray that we have the courage to walk that road to freedom. Amen? Amen. So we're going to sing a song and then we'll finish the message after that. Amen. The bread's coming round now. Well, actually, give it all out and then we'll pray for the bread and then we'll pray for the wine, yeah? Amen. Let's pray. Pray for the bread, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your body, Lord, that was broken for us, Father, on the cross. Lord, and the bread that symbolises the body and the sacrifice that you made, Father, so that we could remember you, Lord, that you broke even bread with these guys on this day, the first day, Father, the Lord's day, first Sunday, Father, after the, the resurrection, Lord. We thank you for your body. Lord, we thank you for the, for the blood that you shed for us, Lord. And we drink the wine which symbolises the blood that you shed for us, Father, that you paid for our sin, Father, so that we could be set free. Lord, I pray you help us to choose that freedom, Father, and whatever comes with it, Lord, so that you can work in our lives, in each and every one of our lives, Father, and draw people to your truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
Amen. Okay. But because it's Easter, we're going to go beyond the cross. And the final point is next, uh, next point is a truth worth living. So we're going to pick up the story again. So the disciples have gone back to Jerusalem. They've told the guys what had happened. Okay. And in verse 36 it says, While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do your doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, hmm, do you have anything to eat here? And he gave them, they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled as it is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. You know, even though... They'd been talking about Jesus just before this, right? Even though they'd been saying, oh, wow, he's he's arisen, he's risen, he's risen. Jesus suddenly appears and they're filled with doubt again and fear again. A ghost. Ah! Next slide. They're seeing a ghost, you know. I don't know whether anyone in any of this room thinks they've ever seen a ghost. But I bet we've all been scared like we've seen a ghost before in our lives. And they're filled with doubt. Next slide, please. And then Jesus gets rid of their fear. You know, he says, touch me, see, I'm real. Look, I can eat. And they steady says that they, they were joy and they were amazed, but they still didn't believe. And so he eats this fish. And I found this, uh, ghosts don't eat fish, right? Um, so, yeah, amen. And then it says that, um, that, that Jesus opened their minds, you know, and this was it, the new truth that they had, the resurrection You know, and that is the key to understanding all scripture is in this moment here. And then he says, you know, that um, that you're going to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know, repentance, the word metanoia, means mind change. He said that Jesus opened their minds. They've got this new open mindset going on here. Um, And that the price of forgiveness is repentance, our change. And the whole value system of these guys is turned upside down. Everything is changed, right, from this point on. Everything is changed. Who's going to spread this message? It says they are. They're the ones. It's going to start in Jerusalem and the message of repentance for the forgiveness of sins is going to be preached. From here on, that's the message that's going to be preached. With the truth of the resurrection to back it up. Were they ready? Not straight away. Jesus said, just stay here. Stay here for a bit till you know, recover from this. Get over this. Be strengthened. And I'm going to send you this spirit. You're going to receive power. You know, this is the beginning of the church, the bride of Christ, right here. Um, revealed later in Acts 2. It's the community of the forgiven built on repentance. You know, when we've got a closed mind, we can't grow. You know, a closed mind doesn't want change. Like before, when I saw about being a product to your environment, oh, I'm this way because, you know, my dad, I, I lose my temper because my dad lost his temper and I can never change, I can never be different, it's just the way I am, you know? And we can have a fixed mindset that we're never going to grow, uh, that we're a product of our environment. And that's a worldly mindset. But here, with this open mind, they're open to the mystery that's beyond their understanding. You know, before I even started studying the Bible, I was in an argument with some people because I was like, you know, I'm an atheist and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to always challenge everybody. And I sat down with somebody and they said to me, I've shared this before, they said to me, you know, how do you, how, don't you feel like you shut out the possibility of anything mysterious or mystical in your life completely by the way that you're being? And suddenly that penny dropped that I had. I just shut the door on the possibility of there being anything more than what I saw before me. And that caused me to change. 
And that was what opened my mind again to studying the Bible. You know, unless your mind is open, you cannot know the truth. Matthew 18, 1 to 2, it says, At that time, um, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? You know, they were sort of bigging each other up. Who's the best disciple? Who's the top dog? And he, he called a little child over. And he placed the child among them and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, ever wonder what that scripture means? You know, the thing about children, right, is that they don't doubt themselves. Little children don't doubt themselves. They want what they want. They're not influenced by what other people think. When they're hungry, next slide, they just want to eat, right? If a child is hungry... Oh, this is the, go past that one. That's the open mindset. <laughs> you know, when children are hungry, they just eat, right? They just want to eat. And that's it. And, if, and, and then when they're full up, they stop eating. No matter what, how much you feed them, if they've had enough, they're not going to eat. When they want to sleep, they sleep. When they want a hug, they put their arms up and they have a hug. And, and children, they don't struggle with those things, right? They don't struggle with those things. But then what tends to happen is that... Um, is that they start to feel like they need love and they start to get conditioned by how they think they receive that love. And so we can use that as a way, no, you're not getting your hug until you finish your dinner or this or whatever it is, you know, and you can start to condition and the world conditions them. Then they go to school and that moment when they go to school and start behaving to get accepted by the school community and they start changing the way they are and slowly... We, they stop that having that confidence in themselves and their own choices and listening to themselves and they're listening to all the world around them and they lose their own value system and adopt another value system. I remember when my sister left my niece with me when she was like one or two years old and my niece started crying and, and I was so determined I was going to win this battle and like she, you know, she was going to be happy with me and I picked her up. I remember she cried for like hours. I was carrying her around for hours and hours and hours. She didn't want me. She wanted the mum. And that was it. And eventually she fell asleep. That, that was a joy in, in and of itself right there. But um, children don't doubt themselves. But we as adults learn to live by other people's values. And some of us have got a lot to undo, right? Layers of onions that we need to accept about ourselves before we can really grow. Philippians 2.12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfil his good purpose. You know, it's a journey. But the journey leads to heaven, to God, to salvation from all that dies. You know, it's a journey of true freedom, a painful journey but the only journey worth making. You know, in some ways, time makes it harder for us to change the lies we've lived, the truth we've denied, our heart that we've ignored. So how do we change? We've got to value our own experience more than what other people tell us it should be. We need to not be defined by what other people think of us or by the past, but, but we need to know who we are now. Sometimes we need other people to help us with that journey. We need to be able to receive feedback. Some of us hide from feedback, right? We need to be open to what's really going on inside us and how we feel. And that's the truth of one another relationships, truly helping each other to become more like Christ. Now, we need to reject pretense, facades, defensiveness, anger because your life's not as other people think it should be. Now, we need to reject people-pleasing and not being real. We need to make our own choices, value our own feelings. And know that we're on a journey. Be open to inner and outer experiences. You know, our openness is a valuable resource. Be sensitive to and accepting of each other. We're all sinners. And develop deep relationships where we know and are truly known. And that's the true meaning of John 10.10 10 there. Is that I've come so that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus means right there. You know, this is the Lord's day. You know, the, the Jews worshipped on the Sunday, the, uh, the Saturday, the Sabbath, but the Sunday was the first day, was the Christian's day of worship. And today is the first day of the rest of your life. This is the resurrection, the fulfilment of the whole Bible, the true plan for all people everywhere and every way. Jesus is risen. We can find our meaning in him and in the mystery. Jesus is risen. If you live out his teaching, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. 
Jesus is risen. Nothing else is of value. But when you realise that the road to the cross is the only road worth walking, you won't hesitate, bound by other people's values, bound by fear or anger. It's not the easy road, but it's the only road to meaning, to freedom and to the love of God and the love of Jesus. I'm going to read one more scripture, then I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing the last song, and that's, that's it for today. Amen? We're going to have a party together. In 1 John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and, God, and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loves us and sent his only son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Not, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you, Father, that you chose the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you went through that experience, Father, and came out the other side, Lord, raised again. That was always your plan, and yet you were so, so dense to, to not grasp it, to not grasp the possibility of a mystery beyond what we can see. Lord, I pray that you open up our hearts and minds so that we can embrace the mystery in you, Father. Lord, that we exist in a chaotic universe that makes no sense, but we are real, we're flesh and bones, our hearts beat, Father. And that, Lord, you make sense of that mystery, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, we'll be freed, Father, from the burdens of what other people think of us, what we think our lives should be. And be open to you using our lives, Father, in any which way that you can, Father. Lord, let us take our eyes off the world, Father, and fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, Lord, so that we can walk the road marked out before us. The Lord, if we stay faithful to you, Lord, if we hold on to you, Lord, that we will be with you, Father, forever, all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand. I thought this was the right song to sing at the end of that. This was a song written by um, Matt Redman. And when he wrote this song, I think when they'd lost one of their children, and, and it was a real challenge time in his life. But the words are just perfect for this song. Amen. Oh,
so we've got loads of things coming up. Just quickly, um, we've got the women's retreat, which is uh, next weekend. At the same time as that, we'll be having a brother's service. Amen. So that'll be at St. Charles Ford next weekend, so we won't be here next weekend. Um, and a few other things in there. The following Sunday, which is the first one in May, we've got Rob Payne coming back down again, another bank holiday weekend. So we might go down the beach that, so that, that weekend, if the weather's nice. Uh, family group uh, will be at the Palmoras this weekend. Yep. On Friday night. Uh, that's this Friday. Because um, I've got a gig somewhere, actually. I think my band out on the country side somewhere. And uh, when are you guys meeting next, family group-wise? Um, to be decided. To be decided. You'll announce it next week, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Amen. You'll announce it next week. And then there's obviously things like the Father of the Sun Retreat, uh, which is uh, coming up as well in two weeks' time. And then uh, if you flick the next slide just quickly, um, we've got the teen camps coming up as well, teens and pre-teens. So if you want to book up for any of those things, I think the registration is now open for those. Um, I think the, camp, the Thames Valley teen camps will right at the end of August, which is a great time. And if anybody wants to follow volunteer and help for any of those things, I'm sure you can do that too. But amen.